We are back for Football Friday once again, along with my friend Chris Cherry. How's it going, sir? I'm very happy today. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not wearing those those other colors. I know the jersey you got on has a game this weekend, but... Well, because the, uh, the only jersey I'd wear is a Darnold jersey, and I'm not <laughs> sure if he's the future or not yet. Well, uh, as you alluded to, we had a bunch of coaching hires within the last few days, um, as well as some GM news as well. Um, We will get all to that uh, during the show today. First off, though, there was some NCAA news a little bit anyways. I mean, it was kind of uh, the first thing is kind of, weird because the NCAA put it one way and the NFL put it the other way. Um, but anyways, the the NCAA announced that they were granting a fifth year of eligibility for college football players, which I thought was weird because I thought technically this year was already kind of a fifth year because it didn't count towards eligibility. Mm-hmm. But I guess the NCAA was – talking more about draft eligibility considering you have to be three years out of high school before you can enter the NFL draft. So, um, it includes uh, players from all conferences and also um, the 2020 season was considered a season of participation whether a person played or not uh so it doesn't matter if they played if their conference didn't play whatever uh it's counted as far as their draft eligibility goes um so any player who participated or would have participated in their fourth season of college football uh, is automatically eligible for the 2021 NFL Draft. And a couple examples just to kind of clarify. So a guy that entered school in 2017 didn't redshirt in 17, 18, or 19, and then was still with uh, the team in 2020 is automatically eligible. But this a different person who entered in 2017 but redshirted for a season – um they have to submit a petition for special eligibility uh this also includes players from the 2018 class as well so yeah it was kind of weird though because the ncaa essentially said uh you're you don't have to let us know if you're going to the draft, if you already have four seasons accrued. Uh, but the NFL says you do have to <laughs> still apply for the draft, even if you're uh, a fourth-year player uh, or, yeah, after your fourth season. So, yeah, it was kind of weird, that whole thing that happened. They also provided... Um, a statement about players that are drafted but return to school saying that 
whatever team drafts that person still has exclusive rights to the player whenever uh, they're done with their college career. Which kind of makes sense already. That's how That's how all the other leagues do it that allow for a return to school. So, mm-hmm. At least that's what I know from the NHL. I don't know how yeah, baseball works. Uh, baseball does that too. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was kind of interesting but also weird and uh, it was a long kind of drawn-out process for that announcement from the NCAA. There was one other uh, bit of college news had this week. Um, Bill O'Brien has a job again. <laughs> the former In Texans, football? the former Texans head coach, uh, is expected to go to Alabama and serve as the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban, replacing Steve Sarkeesian, who left to be the head coach at the University of Texas. So yeah, I, I heard that that was a possibility a couple of weeks ago, along with Adam Gase, but I guess uh, they chose Bill O'Brien instead. Yeah, <laughs> and also um, one thing that I saw today as well was that uh, Georgia is expected to lose their defensive coordinator. Um, I believe his first name is Mike. Mike Lanning. Uh, I could be wrong on the first name, but I know his last name's Lanning. Um, but yeah, he's expected to go to Texas uh, with Steve Sarkeesian to serve as his defensive coordinator. That is all the NCAA news. Now let's get into the juicy call of NFL news, which there is a lot. So. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of go from bottom up as far as, like, positions go. We're going to start off with coordinator news and then head coach and then GM and then general player news. Uh, So let's start off in Seattle. They fired offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer after a kind of second-half season collapse in Seattle as far as the offense goes. Um, And one name that surfaced today... Um, that the Seahawks are interested in is former Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, uh, which would make a lot of sense. They want to run the ball a lot. That's what Anthony Lynn does. So mm-hmm. uh, He's still not sure if he's going to coach in 2021 or not yet, um, but that is a potential uh, spot for him. Also firing their offensive coordinator, well, technically it's not firing because his contract expired, but – uh, the Steelers not going to renew Randy Feekner's contract. Uh, they also are losing a couple other position coaches as well, not renewing their contracts. So uh, that's a tricky situation for any new offensive coordinator that comes in. You don't know necessarily if Big Ben's going to be there this season. Uh, you also could not have Juju. I mean, you have a lot of other receivers, but um, – yeah, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. You have to get a new offensive line, kind of, in Pittsburgh as well. So, yeah, I think that's a good spot, though. I mean, if someone – I think they're going to probably uh, promote – I would, anyways. Um, Matt Canada, the quarterback's coach, I would promote him to offensive coordinator because he was an offensive coordinator in college at Maryland mm-hmm. um, where he was pretty good. 
anyways, other coordinator news. The Bears are looking for a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Chuck Pagano has retired. Uh, one of the better defensive coordinators in the league, former Colts head coach as well, uh, cancer survivor as well for Chuck Pagano. <clears throat> What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. Talking coordinator news before we get into head coach and GM news. Uh, it's all all bunch of news, baby. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. Um, but anyways, yeah, so the Bears are looking for a new defensive coordinator. Like I said, Chuck Pagano has retired. Um, two internal candidates that I heard about, D-line D coach uh, Jay Rogers and safeties coach um, Sean Desai. So those are two guys to look uh, to in the Bears D coordinator um, search. Because they won't be looking for a head coach because the team announced that Nagy and uh, GM Ryan Pace are back for the 2021 season without extensions. Um, the Cowboys, they got themselves a new defensive coordinator, uh, hiring former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn. Uh, another one of those guys. He's like Adam Gase. He's a better coordinator than he is a head coach. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think Dan Quinn was that bad, but uh, he lost the culture in the Falcons locker room. That's It was ironic that he's a defensive coach, and yet that was the part of the Falcons that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Raiders also have a new defensive coordinator, uh, hiring former Chargers defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. Uh, staying in division, uh, so yeah, the and I think that's that's a get, that's a good get for John Gruden there uh, in Vegas. Gus Bradley's a pretty good defensive coordinator. And speaking of guys that are good at coordinator but not head coach, yeah, Gus Bradley. <laughs> um, and the Dolphins, uh, their uh, offensive coordinator search, a uh, lot of names thrown out. In one tweet, it was crazy. One tweet, there's all these names thrown out. Um, but anyways, uh, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, Chargers quarterback coach Pep Hamilton, uh, 49ers run game coordinator Mike McDaniel, Steelers quarterback coach Matt Canada, and uh, internal candidates are uh, running backs coach Eric Studisville and uh, quarterback coach George Godsey. From Miami, so a lot of names there. Mm-hmm. I think um, I doubt Tony Elliott leaves Clemson, uh, but he could. Yeah. And you know the, I mean Pep Hamilton's been an offensive guy. I mean he's he's known for being a quarterback coach. Uh, I thought he was pretty good in the XFL though, uh, when he was the head coach. Uh, I forget which team it was, but oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, and like I said, Matt Canada with the Steelers. He was an offensive coordinator at Maryland. I'm hoping that they just promote him to offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. I think that's a good move for them. And now let's get to the head coaching news. So we'll start off in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is officially the new Jaguars head coach. Had his press conference today at 1130. Uh... I didn't think there was anything uh, eye-popping that he said. All the questions that they asked were pretty routine. Um, mm-hmm. as far uh, he as, gave routine answers. 
Yeah, as far as they pretty much asked him about how he's going to manage his health and, you know, what he's looking for in coordinators, what he thinks of the roster, has he talked to any of the players yet. So, yeah, I I thought it was fine. <laughs> uh, but like you touched on, though, I think the number one concern I would have if I was uh, Shad Khan or anybody in Jacksonville is his health. I mean, I'm sure that they did a an extensive background check about his health and all that to make sure that he's okay. But I mean, yeah. that is the reason, like you said, that's the reason he retired in the first place. I just, my thing about Meyer is I love that every time, I don't know why he says it. Yeah, I'm done coaching. Yeah. I don't see myself taking another coaching position <laughs> and his name's always rumored. And so I know, I know the coaching itch. You can't get out of it, but just don't put, stop saying that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I know one thing he said about his health anyways. He said, well, I'm older now. I'm not going to be running up and down the sidelines in practice like I used to. <laughs> so, uh, um, anyways. But it'll be interesting to see because, uh, as we know, there's a lot of really good college coaches that don't really work out in the NFL, Nick Saban being one of the probably one of the best examples of that. So... I'm curious to see if uh, he can turn things around there in Jacksonville. Yeah, you also have um, Butch Davis, <laughs> uh, you know Jimmy Johnson, but uh, I think you know Jim Harbaugh is a good example of one that worked out, anyways, uh, pretty well, anyways, for a little bit in San Francisco. Yeah. The thing with not not to draw it out, but the thing that I always look at with like coaching and professional is it worked out like for Harbaugh for a while until it it really wasn't the product on the field necessary it was the relationship went sour with mm-hmm. ownership and that's what's hard for college coaches because when you're running your program you're you're the coach and essentially the GM you know what mm-hmm. I mean and so you have to college coaches need to step into a situation in my opinion where it's going to be successful like Matt Rule I think him and the and 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 uh, the owner are on the same page of what they want uh, to happen in Carolina. Yeah, we'll talk about the Panthers in a little bit. Um, one GM note for Jacksonville is that uh, potentially Trent Baalke, the former Niners GM, could stay on. He was a he was with the Jags. Um, I don't remember his position. I, I don't know if it was a consultant or not. Uh, it could have been something different, but he has been with the Jags for the last uh, year or two anyways. Uh, so he might be staying on as the GM. I know he has a relationship with Urban Meyer. Uh, also, one mentioned before was Ray Farmer, the former Browns GM, who's a consultant with the Rams right now, um, could also be in play for their GM spot in Jacksonville. He uh, he was the director of player personnel. Okay, there you go. But- and then he's now the interim general manager. Yeah, that's why. So that's why I was thinking stay on because. Yeah. That's what I was hearing. They could just cut the interim tag and keep him as GM. Um, but anyways, Chris, let's get to your team here. The Jets have hired former 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sal as their head coach. Five year deal. I I'm excited about that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh I am very excited about this one. He that said makes, that he that wanted makes the two dog. of us, three of us. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, now he's out of your division there. Uh but uh no, I personally I wanted an offensive guy like Brian Dabble from Buffalo. However, Robert Sala is an amazing coach. I mean, I was looking at his uh, resume before, and he's been on a couple really good defensive staffs. Like, he was on the Seattle Super Bowl team from, was that 10 years ago now? Jesus. Yeah. Or something like that. Makes us old. Yeah, I know. And then he was on the Jacksonville team that went to the AFC Championship a couple years ago. So he's been on a couple of good – oh, and he's obviously coming from San Francisco, who they were just in the Super Bowl too. So, yeah, he's got a good – Good resume there. And I'm excited to see if he could actually turn around the Jets here. Yeah, one thing, he had so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball in San Fran this year, and they still finished 12th in mm-hmm. total defense. Yeah, I was I was reading that today once he was hired, yeah. and I was like, they. I mean, we were talking about how depleted they were, and I didn't realize how where they finished defensively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. Um yeah, I mean, I think that's it was it was funny too because Joe Douglas had never met him. He didn't have any ties to Robert Sala. He didn't meet him until he got on the Zoom call on Friday. They said, um, so yeah, that that's an interesting thing to just. I don't know. I I would keep it in mind. I I think that both are pretty good guys, but you know, sometimes when you don't know someone and then. Say something, do something that the other guy doesn't necessarily like. You know? oh, well. I, I was kind of thinking about that because I read the, probably the same report. And I kind of had that in my mind. But I actually went the other way because the Jets, I think, needed someone that didn't have any ties. Does that make sense? Yeah. As long as what you said doesn't happen. As long as they keep on the same page or maybe he lets them – do his thing and, and he knows that he needs to get out of the way for the Jets to move forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far I like what Joe Douglas did in his first year as general manager. Um, and he seems like he's a level-headed guy. Salah, on the other hand, though, he seems like he's a very fiery like guy. So I think if anybody would have a problem, it would be him. But we'll see how things go. I mean, he's the polar opposite of Adam Gase, which I love. That yeah. was the number one priority right there, I think. Yeah, I think giving him the, the five years, that now runs concurrent with Joe Douglas' deal. Cause mm-hmm. I think his was yeah, he had a six-year deal. Last so. year, yeah. So I, I think they're kind of taking it, taking the approach of San Francisco when they hired John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan together, except it's just a year later for uh, to get the head coach with Joe Douglas. But mm-hmm. I think they're giving them time, saying, okay, we have to build it. Give us a couple years, and we'll be a contender in a couple years. I think, right. I think. Uh, well, I know Shanahan and Lynch got six, so I think they were saying within three years, I think, two or three of the six years that they would be in contention, which they have been. Um interesting to note we'll we'll say about another team that got uh draft picks but the Niners now get two third round compensatory draft picks out of this um deal by high for the Jets hiring Salah 
um, one in 2021, one in 22, uh, because of the new um, minority head head co- or minority head coach executive rules that they added mm-hmm. to the Rooney mm-hmm. rule. Um, and one person to look at as far as Niners defensive coordinator goes now is uh, Niners linebacker coach D'Amico Ryans, former Texans player, former Eagle as well. Um, I heard something about it. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was coming. Oh wait, no. He's expected to step into Salah's shoes as the new yeah. Niners D coordinator. No, but I heard he was coming with Salah for that position with the Jets. I haven't heard that, but I heard that he was going to probably just move up into the defensive coordinator spot in San Fran. Um, another coach getting hired right, like, probably five minutes, ten minutes ago. Falcons hiring Titans offense coordinator Arthur Smith. Um... That's another tough situation, though. You have aging quarterback, aging wide number one wide receiver. I mean, they have a number one wide receiver in waiting in Calvin Ridley, but um, yeah, that's Arthur Smith's going to have a lot to do in Atlanta. I think um, interesting draft slot as well at four. Yeah. Yep. And I mean. I've been doing a lot of mock drafts on my my uh, spare time, and uh, I keep trading back with Atlanta with the Jets at number two. I think that they want one of those quarterbacks, and I think they would trade us to get one. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, not a bad option, anyways. Uh, there's a lot of Definitely a lot of uh, quarterbacks could go here, but we'll talk about that on a later date. Another, uh, the last head coach that's not official yet because he can't be official yet, but um, (laughs) Saints assistant head coach slash tight ends coach Dan Campbell expected to become the Lions next head coach, um, but he can't be official until the Saints season ends uh, because the anti-tampering window has passed. So, uh, as far as the Eagles head coaching search goes, the list of some guys that I have anyways that are going to get interviews, uh, Buccaneers defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, Patriots inside linebackers coach Gerard Mayo, uh, Panthers offense coordinator Joe Brady, Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, which is interesting considering he just signed a three-year extension with Dallas, and then uh, Eagles running backs coach and assistant head coach Deuce Staley, um, which I'm not, I'm not thrilled about Deuce as the head coach. I mean, I know he, he's a good coach, but I would like to see him as the offensive coordinator before. He's the head coach. Just saying. Um, and again, Lincoln Riley is still out there somewhere. 
<laughs> praying, just praying. Uh, the Texans head coach search. They did finally request an interview with Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> finally, guys. I mean, I've talked about this. I wasn't on the show last week. I don't know if you guys mentioned it for me, but I told Rusty. Mm-hmm. I just think. I think it was absurd that they didn't ask him before. He's been working with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying Watson is Mahomes, but he's darn good. And this guy has been working with them. Wouldn't you want an offensive-minded guy to come work with this type of quarterback? It, to me, it was a no-brainer that you at least pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, and also, they are expected to interview Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. Again, both – uh, can't be hired until their seasons are over. Which makes it hard. The Texans are, you know... I mean, it makes it hard on the candidate, but it also makes it hard on the team. You know, it, if they wait it out and then someone else plucks them off, who are you going to get then? <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but you, you talked about Sean Watson, and I don't know if either of y'all saw the tweet today that Deshaun put (laughs) he said I was on two then I took it to ten and (laughs) (laughs) the last time he said that uh, was right after they traded DeAndre Hopkins (laughs) so that's that was that put Twitter on a fire wheel today um, thinking that Deshaun officially was asking for to be out, but who knows? I think I think he could. I think that's maybe what he's hinting at. And what I find interesting is if if he does get traded, I'll, that's going to flip a lot of control to players. Like I don't necessarily watch the NBA, but being a high school basketball coach and loving and being a former college is there's a whole lot of control in the NBA for the players. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm seeing it shift a little bit in the NFL. I, it won't ever be that much, but it's shifting a little bit. Well, I was very happy James Harden got traded to the Nets considering I have two futures bets in for the Nets to win the NBA <laughs> championship. So let's go, Brooklyn. Um Moving on to general manager news. So the Broncos, they got their new GM uh, hiring Vikings assistant GM George Patton. He got a six-year deal uh, to be the Broncos GM there. And I think his first piece has to be, well, is Drew Locker guy? Mm-hmm. I think he is still. Um but they need to fix the offensive line, really. I think that's the biggest issue on offense. They have a lot of young skill position players that they lock can't get the ball to because he's getting hit and sacked. But also some kind of older on the defensive side as well, especially in the secondary and uh, defensive line. The let's see, the Lions also got their man at GM hiring. Rams director of college scouting, Brad Holmes. He got a five-year deal with Detroit. Um, Like I said, with the Niners, the Rams also getting two third-round compensatory picks uh, for this hire. 
one in 21, one in 22. They need that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, I, I still don't understand why they get two and not just one. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I thought it was, I thought how it was was if a minority candidate got hired to a GM spot or a head coaching spot, you got a third round pick. But I didn't know why, how you got two. Um, anyways, I haven't looked into it too deep, so uh, that's on me. But And like I said before, they could also get two more third round picks if uh, – some miracle Ray Farmer ends up being the GM of the Jags, uh, which is not looking likely at this point. Uh, the Seahawks keeping GM John Schneider around. Uh, he signed a an extension through the 2027 NFL draft. Uh, rumored earlier in the offseason that the Lions were looking to make a splash for him and uh, did not happen and he will stay in Seattle for years to come. Whether I, whether Pete Carroll makes it that long, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's six years, so I don't know. <laughs> um, also, the Panthers got their GM uh, hiring Seahawks VP of Football Ops, Scott Fitterer. Um, I like to move. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar with Fitter, but, you know, seeing uh, what Seattle has built, um, I've heard he's a key part of that. So, you know. He was in some – he's been in talks before with other teams. So, he's, he's – and I'm looking up – once it was announced, I looked it up a little bit more, and <clears throat> he was a big cog in what Seattle has, has done over the last – well, geez, it has been 10 years now since the Super Bowl, but uh, has it almost? 48? No. Not, like maybe not 10 years. or 8 years. <laughs> not 10 years. Not not quite 10 years. Yeah, I think it's 2013, so. Yeah, it'll be 8. You just got to look at the Super Bowl numbers. Yeah. From 55 <laughs> to 48. <laughs> but, you know, they've, they've stayed they've – stayed, competitive while losing some peoples yeah yeah definitely uh and it's always tough when you have a massive contract at the quarterback position as far as the washington football team gm spot goes the lengthy list of people involved in interviews there um niners vp of player personnel martin mayhew uh former lions gm i believe marty mayhew think sounds familiar uh former panthers gm marty herney uh titans vp of player personnel ryan calden falcons director of football operations nick polk and uh chargers director of player personnel jojo wooden a lot of names there for washington i i wouldn't be surprised if it's marty herney considering the rivera connection yeah, I was um, just thinking that. But I don't necessarily think Marty Herney's that great. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, 
Considering he's the one that put Carolina in the cap hell that they had before Dave Gettleman <laughs> got there. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm just gonna be quiet. Um, but wasn't he responsible for the the Super Bowl team? No, he wasn't. That was uh, Dave Gettleman. 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 Yeah. Um. And the Falcons appear to have their new GM as well. Saints assistant GM slash VP of pro personnel, Terry Fontenot. Uh, he's the favorite to become the GM now um, because of think, the Brad Holmes hiring in Detroit. Those two are the finalists. And again, I think that's big for stealing someone away from uh, in division. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. And again, can't officially hire him. <laughs> I believe it's the same for uh, front office personnel anyways as it is for coaches. I'd assume so. Yeah. Um, All right, let's get into player news here. So uh, we'll start off with actual current news. (laughs) So the um, – there's not a lot to this story yet, Uh, but – Broncos linebacker Von Miller under investigation. But that's all it is. <laughs> Literally no charges have been filed. They haven't said it's investigated for whatever it is. Uh, they haven't said what it is. So who knows? But, yeah, Von Miller could end up being in some trouble. Um, you know, how many times is it actual major trouble? Not very often, but we don't know considering they haven't released anything. Um, other player news. The Colts will need a new left tackle. Uh, Anthony Costanzo has officially retired. Um, yeah, long career for Anthony Costanzo, one of the best left tackles in the game. Mm-hmm. Also, at other another left tackle news, Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas, uh, he underwent left ankle surgery, expects to be running by March, so uh, good for the Giants, I guess. I don't. I mean, who knows what the offseason program is going to look like this year? If it'll look like last year or not, but you know, I think it'll be a little bit better, but I think there'll still be. Uh like precautions and restrictions and all that. Yeah. But, I mean, if he's running by March, though, I mean, that's way before off-season activity. OTAs actually start, so minicamp and such. Um, also, uh, the Browns getting guys back from COVID list this week. Left guard Joel Batonio and corners. Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson all activated off the COVID list. All will play against the Chiefs this weekend. That might be the worst thing that'll happen to them, though, because they had that chip on their shoulder last week, being without all those guys and all that. For one, I the the Joel Batonio thing I think is big in terms of going up against Chris Jones, and for two. I think you can never have enough corners against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so, 
the Saints running back Latavius Murray day to day with a quad injury uh, up in the air for this weekend. Who knows? I mean, they're, they're the last to play, so he has the max amount of time a player can have <laughs> to get ready. So, anyways. Also, uh, suspension news. Bears uh, defensive lineman Mario Edwards Jr. suspended the first two games of 2021. Uh, no reasoning uh, on the tweet that I saw anyways. But he's a free agent. so. And also, uh, probably the worst way to end the <laughs> news segment, Seahawks wide receiver Josh Gordon, uh, his conditional reinstatement, uh, has been rescinded by the NFL. He is once again indefinitely suspended. Um, and I think this time there's no coming back. I, I find it hard for to see him back in. Mm-hmm. So the reports on Vaughn Miller, which I, I figured it was, is I, most people can attest to it, domestic a domestic disturbance or abuse, but no one knows if it's a he, he say, she said, verbal, physical, or whatnot. All righty. And all right, that's all the news I have. I haven't seen anything new uh, pop up on the Twitter feed. So let's go to the finalized college football playoff bracket. Alabama winning the national championship, fifty-two to twenty-four, over number three Ohio State. Um, and you know, I forgot to actually put the <laughs> the game slide on. I didn't think about it because uh, that would have came before the news. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. You know, we we can adapt here at Football Addicts Anonymous. So. This is why we have technology as well, because we can just read off the stats, uh, the eye-popping stats, really. So, you know, Mac Jones... One half. You only need one half. Mac Jones was just fantastic. I didn't expect him to throw 45 45 times, um, but he threw it for 464 yards and five touchdowns um, to go along with a 98 QBR. Mm-hmm. Uh, which isn't too bad, <laughs> considering KBR is out of a hundred. <laughs> um, but also Devonte Smith. I mean, he he put his stamp that he de- definitely deserved the Heisman uh, with the national championship performance. Twelve catches, two hundred and fifteen yards, three touchdowns, all in the first half. He didn't even play in the second half. He got hurt. <laughs> Just crazy. <laughs> um, Najee Harris also tacked on 22 carries, 79 yards, uh, two touchdowns at uh, 3.6 per. Uh, Mac Jones did lose one fumble, uh, which ended up turning into Ohio State touchdown, but um, didn't affect the game overall. Justin Fields. Not that great. He was hovering around 50% completion, 194, and one touchdown. 
I needed 305 yards from him, and he didn't get close. <laughs> so that was great. Uh, Fields also the leading rusher for Ohio State at 67 yards off of six carries. Uh, Master Teague, though, scored two touchdowns for the Buckeyes, 15 for 65, uh, two touchdowns, 4.3 per there. Leading receiver for Ohio State, Chris Olave, eight for 69. Um, and then as far as defensive performances go, I think um, probably the the best uh, defensive performance for Ohio State was um, linebacker Justin Hilliard. He had uh, eight tackles, four solos, and two tackles for loss. Christian Barmore got the defensive MVP for Alabama. Uh, he had five tackles, three solo, one sack, and uh, two tackles for loss. And I will also put out there uh, DB Brian Branch, who had uh, four tackles, three solos, and three pass deflections. So, yeah. You know, I don't know where you guys want to start talking about this because – what let's just all say it what a phenomenal performance by mr Devonte smith but with that guys and i know that nick saban is the best to ever do it um any bear bryant fans out there it's just he does it in a more competitive uh recruiting landscape nowadays but this was you know who really stamped this game was sarcasian I mean, he was doing things where I was like, now, I mean, at the line of scrimmage, I told my wife, I said, Devontae's going to score right now. She's like, man, I know he's good, but he ain't that. And then the ball was thrown. I said, I told you. I mean, he was putting up packages that Ohio State was looking around like, I don't even know what to do. And so when I say that, like, Fields' numbers were not great passing, but he didn't turn it over. And he also had some rushing yards. And I actually think that Ohio State let him down in this game. And I know that he didn't doesn't have a Devontae Smith, but Olave is not bad. Master T can do things. And I think when it comes down, football to me is a, is a chess match. And Alabama clearly won this chess match. And I understand that they can line up against anyone any day with their third strings. And, and still be competitive, but I just think that they got outcoached pretty glaringly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Ohio State sorely missed Trey Sermon in this game. He I, I went out so, in the first quarter, uh, and he was really their catalyst to the national championship. Yeah, he had a great game against Considering Clemson. his Northwestern game, his Clemson game, uh, I, I also I needed him to score a touchdown in this one, then he got hurt. <laughs> and of course like the next play or that same drive that he got hurt master teague scores um but yeah i i think that was really an issue for ohio state they couldn't run the ball as effectively um against the alabama front which subsequently uh let mac jones get the ball back more often and keep scoring and i and i would like to point this out and and they're, you win by an inch, you win by a mile. But I think if it, you know, like when if like Todd, like Day is going to come back with his his staff and watch the game film, if you take away the second quarter 
And let's say that, that we were only comparing them for three quarters. And I know the game's out, out of hand after the second quarter. But if you do take away the second quarter, it is a tied ball game. And Ohio State just couldn't stop. It. I mean, they, they were letting – there was bleeding going on, and they couldn't stop it in the second half. But all the other three quarters, they would have been in the ball game. Yeah, they they literally only got two stops. Two punts for Alabama the whole game. <laughs> it's why it's crazy, man. It's cra- I'm well, telling actually, you. actually, they stopped them three times because they got that fumble as well. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what he does at Texas. I'm not saying that he's going to be successful. Does that make sense? I think he's putting together a decent staff. Texas, if Texas gives them, and they have the resources. The problem is they haven't given. Even going to Mac Brown, Mac Brown's like, we're University of Texas. We should be winning more championships. But it's like, I've got, there's so much red tape here where Nick Saban's got access to whatever he wants. No one asks any questions. If they tend to do that at Texas, I think that he has a mindset that can win some Big 12 championships and get to where they need to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I was saying, um, UGA's defensive coordinator is going to Texas, apparently, uh, to be the D.C. there. So that's quality higher on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Maybe we get Muschamp. I can see that. I forget who they said his O.C. was going to be. I think we said it on the Monday show, but I can't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. And then O'Brien is going to be uh, Bama's O.C. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alabama did cover in this one, minus 9.5, and, and over 75 hit, which I was very happy about. Hit the over 75 that I needed. Just uh, by one. <laughs> which, yeah, it was great. It was great times because, well, what was crazy is that, you know, the over came with 13-15 to go in the fourth quarter, and there was no scoring after that. <laughs> So, anyone that live bet and over, I feel bad for you because it was probably much, much higher. They took, uh, he hired Penn State's OC. Oh, yeah, that's right, Kirk Soraka. You're it? Um, But, yeah. Uh, Kind of expected this result to happen. Anyways. Uh Uh-huh. Not very happy about it, but ended up plus 850 in, uh, out of all my national championships bets. Plus $8.50 was great times. All right. Uh, let's go to divisional weekend matchups here. So we have the number one seeded Chiefs off of their bye facing the number six Browns, number two Bills, playing the number five Ravens. Uh, Number one Packers facing up against number six Rams and the number two Saints playing the number five Bucks. Yeah, these are some good uh, matchups this week. So, Alex continues to to have quite the um, playoff run and week 17 into the playoff run here. Uh, best record once again for two weeks in a row. He's moving up the moving up the ranks here. He's gotten a two-game lead over Mark now for, for last place. 
Uh, and now he's one game back of myself, two games back of Chris. Um, again, it was weird though that all of our, all of our different picks. Some people picked differently. One game, other game, it canceled out. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this is how our pick standings stack up with uh, three weeks to go in the NFL season. First game on the docket here. Rams at the Packers. Uh, tomorrow. The Packers are getting six and a half. And we're all on the power G. Yep. I mean, yeah, the, the Packers probably will win this game and all that. I mean, I picked them to win it, but... I said the scenario last week on last week's show. I would love to see the Rams make it to the Super Bowl against the Browns. Just because I could say the Jets beat both Super Bowl teams. But that's probably not happening. You know, uh, I picked the Packers to go all the way as well, so I'm sticking with them. But the more that I look into this matchup, if the Rams had anyone behind center besides who they do, because I can't stand them, their defense is able to match up with the Packers, and then the issues on the Packers' offensive line scares me. So I'm not counting them out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I do think Aaron Rodgers finds a way. He's got home field advantage. But I wouldn't be surprised if I watch this game and I'm like, oh, my gosh, the Rams are moving on. <laughs> Wait, they didn't play this year, did they? No, I didn't think no. so. I mean, J- Jalen Ramsey can, can – He's establishing himself as the cream of the crop at that position. You got Aaron Donald, even though he's injured, but then he then you have the depleted offensive line, and now I'm scratching my head. But he goes back to who's under center. I just can't trust him. Well, you know I'm not picking the Rams. Um, <laughs> I told you I'm not picking the Rams until 2022, maybe. Um, looks like it's, uh, expected to be 36 degrees and cloudy. So not a bad, uh, time to play in Green Bay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no snow on the forecast for Green Bay, um, this game. But yeah, I mean, this... No offense to any of the other receivers that Jalen Ramsey has played all year uh, because he has played some great ones in DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf twice each, uh, as well as some other ones that I'm forgetting who who the Rams played. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Um, But I think Devontae Adams is – uh, one of the candidates for Offensive Player of the Year. So uh, I think this will be Ramsey's toughest test to date. And um, I think this will also, though, if he's going to do that and cover Adams. I think it lets other people get up. You have to. MVS and Alan Lazard have to play well. Uh, and I actually think that Matt LaFleur – I think him and Rodgers are on the same page this year on the offensive side of the ball, and he knows 
him and McVeigh have worked together before, and I think he kind of will know some tendencies and and dial some things up too. So I'm banking on that. The only the only thing that worries me is offensive line banged up. Yeah, or uh, the other way to do it is to run the ball, but then you have number ninety nine staring staring at you in the. So. Uh, but like a lot of announcers say, though, all the time, why would you run to him? That makes no right. sense. Mm-hmm. But but the one thing also that I was thinking about was the um, who they signed uh, from the Bears, the Rams. Oh, uh, Floyd? Floyd Little, and he's had really Leonard good success Floyd. against the Leonard Packers, Floyd. too. <laughs> Leonard Floyd. Not Leonard, Floyd sorry, Leonard. I said that wrong, sorry. Uh, but he's, he's had success in the division against them. Yeah, that matchup against uh, – I'm blanking on who their left tackle is going to be without Bakhtiari. I... Probably the guy from the Colts. No, I'm kidding. He won't. He's on the COVID list. He, <laughs> he won't be. He won't be the first player to play for two teams. Ah, uh, darn. I wanted to unless, see that stat. Unless if, if the Packers win, I believe he'll be able to come off the COVID list and play in the NFC Championship game. But, um, yeah, Jared Veld here – was on the COVID li- put on the COVID list um, this week. The same reason that I thought Alabama will win, I think the Packers will win, and that is speed on the outside. Mm-hmm. You think it's going to be as dominant, though, of a win no. like Alabama had? I mean, I don't think so, but I wouldn't mind. Like I said, I'm cheering the Packers all the way, even though I'm a Rams fan. I'm that competitive. I, teams I pick, I want, you know. See, why you got to do that again, though? This is going to be the second weekend in a row (laughs) that my parlays are going to get messed up because you're rooting against your own team. Um, I don't know. I don't think it'll be that bad. Do you? See, that's one way. If When we're talking about points points spread, that's the only reason I would pick the Rams. I'd take the Rams plus six and a half. Uh, the over-under is 45 and a half. I would... See, it's tough because you have a really good offense against a really good defense. Well, it's number one against number one. Yeah. I think it also depends on who plays quarterback for the Rams. But I would say under, though. I would say under. I think it'll go in the 30s. Yeah, I Four thirty-five on Fox tomorrow. We watching that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go to the second one tomorrow night. Uh, rain. I didn't change the thing. My bad. <laughs> Ravens at Bills. Uh, Bills are getting two and a half, and. Um, I like that two and a half for Buffalo. Uh, I think that the Bills are just a team of destiny. (laughs) I'll tell you this right now. What I told you in the text message today. I actually think I'm looking forward to this game. It's in the cold. I love both quarterbacks, but I'm down. I'm down in the standings, and I got to make a game up. And... What did I tell you? The only reason that I'm picking the Ravens, I actually think the Bills will win. So if you want to talk football, just smartness, I'm with everybody. But I want to see Lamar 
and Patrick Mahomes go at it. I want to see another young dual ship. That doesn't mean that Allen can't get on it and it can be him against Mahomes in the future. But I'm just – I'm down, so I need a lone wolf something to get back in the standings. Either I fall deeper or maybe I gain a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Baltimore pulls this one off, though. Um, because they were one of the hotter teams coming into the playoffs. And they handled business pretty well last week against Tennessee when they had already lost against them twice in last year. Um, and although the Bills are a completely different team than Tennessee, they actually have a passing game and they actually have a good defense. But I think the Ravens' defense is built to stop that that Bills' offense, especially in the run game. Like I don't think Josh Allen's going to be able to run a lot like he normally does which is going to be, I think, the big factor in this game. If they if they can get out of this game, I, I really do think that they'll be a threat to the Chiefs the next week. But you can't look ahead, but I think this is a good test because the Bills, in my opinion, can beat – it was hard for me to pick the Ravens because I believe the Bills can beat you different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's what's kind of scary picking them, but I'm down in the, I'm down in the, the standing, so i got to take one game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, both these teams actually are undefeated since week twelve. The Bills are seven and zero. The Ravens are six and zero. Uh, so literally the two hottest teams in the league. Um, but like I said, this is the Bills' year. This is their time to shine. Josh Allen has everything in front of him. Uh. And, you know, they played it. That's the thing, though. They played. They already played against a tough defense last week. Uh, so it's not like it's going to be anything new uh, to playing against a tough defense. I think the Colts' defense is better than the Ravens. Um, yeah, but technically they lost that game if the Colts actually put up the points that they were supposed to. So, just hey. saying. <laughs> <laughs> Close only counts in horseshoes and grenades, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, and a win is a win and a, is, is a win. Uh, I'll throw out those two cliches. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Any way you can win in the playoffs uh, is a great time. But like I said, I do like Bills minus two and a half. And I don't think it will come down to a field goal game. Um... I think the Bills win by six, between four and six. So, I mean, I picked the Bills, but I picked the Bills, but obviously as a Jets fan, I got to root against them. So let's go Ravens. Whoever has the ball last. <laughs> this one though, there is snow expected. Um, yeah, and that's what scared me when Lamar Jackson was serious. I don't want it to smell snow, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it'll be weird, Maryland, though. They're from Maryland, though. They're from Baltimore, which is also a cold which city. It's cold. It's cold. I agree. It'll be weird, though, because the weather thing on ESPN says 38, but it shows the little snowflake coming down from the clouds. So, I don't know. <laughs> might be sleet instead of snow. but Marcus Peters is the X factor, in my opinion. Depends on how well he plays. I don't think Stefan Diggs will have an issue. Which... <laughs> is why I'm worried about my pick, but I got to pick something to get up in the stands. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, this one over under is 49 and a half. I like the over in this one, actually. Mm-hmm. Both offenses are pretty good. Yeah, they could both score in the high 20s, low 30s, easy. But I think one thing that they have to do different than what the Titans did, you have to stop Lamar running the ball. 100%. You can't, yeah. If he gets the 60 or, or, oh, no, he had 136, right, last week? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he had over 100, so, yeah. If you can keep him in the, the 50 to 60 range, I think game, you're okay. Game over. <laughs> um, anyways, over under 49.5. Like I said, I like the over 8.15 NBC. Tomorrow night. <clears throat> Sunday's games. Browns at the Chiefs. Chiefs getting I mean, 10 points. Didn't want to that was about, the this, this, <laughs> this was my other, one other one I wanted to pick from, or I had to pick to get in the standing. So did you want me to pick the Ravens or the darn Browns? Let's be honest about it. I mean, the Browns looked like the best team last week, so. Yeah, but I'm not so sure the Steelers just didn't cripple into the playoffs, though. That's true. Again, it's the Browns against the world. Um, they could surprise us all, guys. They could. They really could. Because I think they can put up points. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Chiefs defense isn't the greatest. But they've played well in the playoffs and late in the season for Steve Spagnuolo the last couple seasons. So I wouldn't put it past the Chiefs surprising kind of everyone defensively anyways and shutting the Browns down. And and Spagnolo's been he's been in the playoffs deep before if you know his history. So I think he actually gets better the, the, the more you play. Yeah, I think in order for the Browns to even have a chance at winning this one, they have to get lucky like they did last week though. Like I'm not saying a first play like <laughs> touchdown, but no, I agree. Someone's got to cough up the ball that doesn't. Mahomes has to have a bad throw here or there. I mean, but it doesn't matter, though. It really doesn't. We we saw it last year. The Chiefs can come back from any I deficit. I agree. They're never out of a game. <laughs> and I think Andy Reid is a is a top-five coach that doesn't really get that respect. My, my question with this game is, because I don't know the numbers, what's the over-under? 57. See, I'm tempted to take take the over, man. I think it'll be a shootout. I think it'll be fun to watch. It's a high number, though. It's a high number. But if you're a betting man, you, you're crazy anyway. I mean, I, the Chiefs can obviously score a lot of points. I think it's up to the Browns to score their half of the points, which, again, like you were alluding to, the Chiefs defense somehow finds another gear in the playoffs. So they do. They, the only thing about the Chiefs is they haven't seen the one-two punch that the Browns have in the backfield this mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, see, but I don't know. I don't know if if you have to. Nec- I mean, yeah, that's how you beat the Browns. It's the same thing with the Ravens. You shut down their run game. Uh, then their play action doesn't work. Then. <laughs> Baker's got to Baker drop back throw it 50 times. Turn it over. Um, so I don't know if the Chiefs necessarily have the front to do that. 
I mean, they did get Anthony Hitchens back off the COVID list, which is huge for their linebacking core. Um, and Chris Jones in the middle is also, like I said about in the Packers game, you don't necessarily want to run it at Chris Jones. Granted, Chris Jones, I think, is more of a pass rusher than he is a, a run stopper, and he's a little bit less of an overall player than Aaron Donald is. Um, but still, I, I, I like the Chiefs. I'm gonna roll with the Chiefs minus ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do want to say something before we go. If anyone does have the swagger to knock off the Chiefs early in the playoffs, it's the Browns. And I will say this, and I don't care if anyone agrees with me or not. And I'm not just – I'm not saying talent or what he does every day on the field, but I would love to see Baker Mayfield in a Rams uniform because he has the swagger. Him and McVay doing different things, I think he'd be a perfect fit. Yeah. Might have to wait I just like – and I love his commercials. I'm not saying – he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback or anything, but I am a – a Mayfield fan, and I wasn't when he was in college. But it takes a certain amount – it takes a certain mindset and attitude and not caring about what people think about you to knock off good teams. And if there is a team out there to do it early that you wouldn't think would, the Browns are are marching that way. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs do have to have some turnovers for it to happen. I mean, crazier upsets have happened, though. Like the Patriots losing in the Super Bowl when they were undefeated to the nine and seven Giants, so yeah, forty-one and partly sunny for this game. Um, nice weather for this time of year in Kansas City. <laughs> it uh, is, yeah, yeah, that is. But yeah, I'm still going Chiefs minus ten. I'm taking Chiefs the- win this, but I still would like to see Baker in L.A. with those commercials. Taking the points, <laughs> taking the points here. Uh, this one is 3.05 on CBS on Sunday. Last I'll, definitely game. See, I'll definitely see you Sunday. <laughs> Last game of Divisional Weekend, NFC South rematch for the third time here. Bucks heading to New Orleans to the Superdome. Saints getting three. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I had to pick the Saints. One, it, Drew Brees against Tom Brady. I'm never picking Tom Brady. But uh, I'm going based on the the recent history here. The, the Saints beat them in both games. One of the games, they shut them out. I mean, I know it was before Tom Brady kind of went on the tear here, but I still think that this Saints team is built to stop a team like uh, the Buccaneers. And uh, they're at full strength, too, now. I mean, in those matchups before, they didn't have Michael Thomas. um, And I don't think they had a couple other guys, too. But now they have everybody healthy and ready to go. And, uh, yeah, I just – I think that Kamara's going to have a good day. And (laughs) basically everybody on the team. You make a very compelling argument, and I know I'm going to let Rusty go last. And I went back and forth. You're right. Michael Thomas thing was huge for me. But what I what I when he asked me my picks today, or actually I woke up in, in Texas before he asked me, was it's so hard to beat, in my opinion, 
from a coaching standpoint and just in sports in general, pick any sport, someone three times in one season unless you are just head and heels better than somebody. It's technically not, though, Mark. 65% the team that sweeps the series in the regular season wins the third game. The third game. <laughs> well, we're also talking about experienced playoff people on the Bucks. Now, I want the Saints to win. I get tired of hearing the whole Brady thing because I still believe Joe Montana is the best quarterback ever. You throw 65 times the way he does, and people change teams the way nowadays, that's a different conversation. I would like the Saints to move on, and I do believe they have the defense to move on. I'm just going to say that I'm not counting out Tom Brady. Um he he's the underdog, you know, this year in the playoffs. Never never been that, really. I mean, they weren't underdogs last week. But he's the road team every week now. Uh, so, you know, that makes a, a difference. But also, you know, I believe in the Bucks defense. I think they're going to be able, you know, they have, they have a young secondary. Michael Thomas is going to give them problems. So is Emmanuel Sanders, to, to say the least. But... I believe in their front seven. I think they're going to be able to get to Drew Brees. Uh, and Dominican Sue in the middle uh, will be able to push the pocket against a very good New Orleans offensive line. But um, I think the blitzing of Devin White, he's shown as a blitzer this year that he's very potent uh, when it comes to coming in on the cross stunts and everything um, like that. But, yeah, I think they're going to be able to get pressure on Drew Brees, get at least one turnover. Um, that's going to make the difference. I mean, yeah, it'll be a pretty good game to watch, I think. But uh, I think that the Saints are also motivated by a couple off-the-field things, being that this is probably Drew Brees' last year, so they kind of want to send him off in a good way. And today is also his birthday, so happy birthday to him, 42, young years old. But, uh, yeah, I just... I don't know. I again, this is probably more biased than anything, but I, I had to pick the Saints over the Bucks here. Yeah. Is it is it official? Like, I know it's been leaked, but is he is this his last go around? I mean, he hasn't said anything himself, but as far as everybody's saying least, it. At least with the Saints, maybe. I think it's Saints or nobody. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, as far as I know, uh, this is his last time. Um, but yeah, It'd be fun game. Fun game, guys. Everybody should be locked into these two. Oh, Hall and of uh, did did you guys see that uh, that picture that Tom Brady tweeted out? <laughs> yeah, the History Channel thing that was. I, I love that. That was a good picture, dude. Well, did yeah. you did you see the one that was narrated by Morgan Freeman too? There's a <laughs> yeah, clip. Yeah, I did. There's a clip. <laughs> it's great. It is great. That's great. Uh, Pizza, wings, and beer Sunday night. But, yeah, um, officially the oldest quarterback matchup ever, Tom Brady 43, Drew Brees 42. Um, and I, I hope that they put up the um, the Tom Brady versus George Blanda pictures once again in this, in this game. <laughs> I feel bad for George Blanda, but, like, you know. I don't think the black and white picture helps him out either. I think that that takes a 
a year or two off of you as well. Uh, or ads, I mean. Adds a year or two to you when it, it's in black and white versus color picture. But, <laughs> man, that was that was a little bit different uh, between 40-year-olds as far as pictures go. Anyways, Chris Sloan Wolfing the Saints. This one over under is uh, 52. That's a tough one, man. 52. Under. Just under. Yeah. Yeah. Go even. Go even seven touchdowns. 49. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. 28 uh, 21. I, I can see that being the score. Whoever has the ball last. I agree. Anyways, uh, this one is 640 on Fox. Last game, a divisional weekend on Sunday. So, next week we will have NFL Championship, Conference Championship weekend. Um, we'll be previewing both of those matchups, Championship Sunday. Um, as well as all of the NCAA and NFL news. I don't know if we're going to get any more hirings this week. Still three head coaching jobs open, Chargers, Texans, and Eagles. Uh, GM spots, I believe, well, the Jags is technically still open, uh, even though Trent Baalke is considered the favorite, uh, as well as... Washington is open still as well. And I don't think there's any other GM spots available anymore. As far as I can think of right now. But, anyways, that is the show for today. Um, as always, make sure to follow us on all our social media at FA Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I know I've been retweeting some stuff lately on our Twitter. Um, and then follow us. Uh, hit the subscribe button on Spotify. Check out our website, fapodcast.com, where all of our shows are available in our archive. Thank you, gentlemen. And go Pens. <laughs> Great win for the Blues last night. Beating Avalanche, the favorites of the NHL. <laughs>